Hey, Cam. Yes, Alex. Did I ever tell you the story about my first job? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. So, so when I went to get my first job, a, a friend of mine actually hooked me up with a job as a as a diesel fitter. Um, and it was oddly, it was at a a, a ladies' undergarment factory. So on my first day, my buddy took me to the production line where he would where we'd be working. Uh, and he explained to me that as a diesel fitter, my responsibility would be to pick up each garment as it came off the line, look it over, and then announce, yep, diesel fitter. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chatting Average Podcast with your hosts, Riley's Rakes and the Big Chop Man. Welcome to your friendly neighborhood Atlanta Braves podcast. Welcome to Chatting Average. I'm your host, Alex, joined as always by my trusty sidekick, Cam Matthews. How you doing today, Cam? What? Shaking bacon. Oh, not too much. We have finally reached the conclusion of the 2020 Major League Baseball season. So, um, what what do we do now? It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Shut up! It's November. <laughs> Everywhere you go. I, I don't know what it's like in North Carolina, but it looks nothing like Christmas where I'm at. Uh, it didn't get above 52 today where I'm at. Are you serious? Yeah. Like it was like kind of cold and rainy and tomorrow's going to be about the same. And the next two nights here, it's not, it's like going to drop down to 34. Like we're, we're getting this really weird cold snap the next few days. It's always really cold right around my birthday, which is kind of irritating every year. We're this upcoming week is apparently going to be like the nicest week of the year for us. We've got like freaking San Diego weather. It's supposed to be like 70 sunny every day for the next week in Atlanta. Heck yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm pumped about that. I had a tennis match at three o'clock this afternoon and it was it was like 65 with a light breeze the whole time. Just perfect. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, it was it was uh, either raining or misting in 52 here today. So, oh, gross. A good day to uh, sit inside and watch football and make yes. and make a homemade mac and cheese, which was. Hey, hey Cam, delicious. that that reminds me. Um, yes. You ever punch anybody who's wearing a helmet? <laughs> I would uh, I would advise against that because uh, the helmet <laughs> usually does its job pretty well. So for those of you guys who might not have been watching, um, we're recording <laughs> immediately after the conclusion of the uh, of, of the Bears Saints game. And during that game, uh, I, I don't I don't remember the, the names of the players involved, but a Bears player after a play ran to a Saints player who who wasn't even guarding him or anything and hauled off and just punched him as hard as he could in the side of the helmet and then backed up and did it again. 
What's even funnier is the Saints player uh, reaction after the first punch. It was like, like he just what? like he just very calmly turns his head toward, <laughs> to the guy and it's like, wait, did you really just do that? And then gets cold cocked again. So the uh, I I just just a minute ago discovered on uh, on Twitter what happened. So apparently the play before that, that the guy that he went after. Uh, was John back and forth with him and snatched his gold chain off of his neck. So apparently that is uh, that is against the code and that gets you punched in the side of the helmet in the NFL. Um, so uh, I'd like uh, to I'd like to applaud Michael Crabtree for having gotten his chain snatched twice by Aqib Talib and never punching him in the helmet. Yeah, because um, a helmet protects the head. I've heard it's it's fairly solid object as well. Fairly solid. Hey, speaking of solid objects, I guess there's some... <laughs> oh. <laughs> what? There's any number of directions that segue could go. I was going to say, there's 24 solid objects standing on a field right now as the uh, Cowboys and Eagles <laughs> take each other on. And... Oh, my. Quite possibly one of the worst Sunday night football matchups they could have picked. And and yet, I, I think I think those two teams have a combined five wins between them. And yet the game is somehow for first place in their division. <laughs> oh man. We understand. Oh, the NFC East is so bad. I mean, let, let okay, let, let's be real here. The NFC South is not much better. But the NFC East is the absolute bottom of the barrel in the league. Well, I, I obviously I'm a, I'm a Falcons fan. I watch a lot of NFC South football. Yeah. And, and, and yes, what like the Falcons obviously losing a bunch of games in glorious fashion, but they they spend the vast majority of those games playing good football. The Panthers play good football. The the Buccaneers and the Saints. It goes without saying, but play good football. Nobody in the NFC East plays good football. <laughs> it is every How is an entire division that bad? Every single game is just so bad. It like, oh man, they shouldn't even be playing in like the MIAC. You, I mean, you, it, it, it's even more like bothersome that you had a great game at one o'clock today between the Steelers and the Ravens that you could have flexed to the Sunday night game exactly. and you didn't. That's the whole point of flexing games. Yep. yep. And like you knew a week ago what the records of the four teams in question were. Yeah. Like you could yeah. have made you could have made that call well in advance. Yeah. This is like if they just like this year had just randomly put the Angels and Giants on Sunday night baseball. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? Well, anyway. I, I, I maintain the idea, though, that baseball should have a flex schedule for Sunday night baseball. Oh, absolutely. Because they set that schedule so far out in advance that typically you'll end up getting weeks where, on paper, four months prior, that matchup looked good. And then by that point, one team's already out of contention or not trying. And I don't know. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong. Um, so Cam, what are you drinking this evening? Uh, tonight 
I am actually drinking a mug of hot apple cider. Uh, sip of fall for the working man. What about you? Very nice. Is, is is there booze in your cider? There is not. There is not. Um, I've I've boozed it up enough this weekend that I figured this all natural would be a good way to go before starting the work week tomorrow. Not a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, what about yourself? I am drinking uh, a beer called the Bavarian Prince. It's an Oktoberfest beer from New Realm Brewing Company. Uh, Oktoberfest beers. October beers are by far my favorite. Not not the pumpkin beers, just Oktoberfest beers. Well, it's a certain Uh, blend of spices like it. No, 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 no. You're not you're not thinking of the same beer. These these beers are basically like like amber ales or lagers. Right. Um, but they're they're super, super malty and yeasty and just like just it's it's like if 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 a biscuit was a beer. That's that that's that's what I like. That is my favorite beer season of the year. So I, I hang on to some Oktoberfest beers. Uh, for as long as I can. <laughs> then, uh, if if an Oktoberfest beer is a biscuit, then does that mean like porters are loaves of bread? Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> pumpernickel, to be exact. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Cho- <laughs> chocolate bread, as I'm sure other kids have called it, because right, that's certainly what I called it growing up. Chocolate bread. Uh, Cam, Cam, I regret to inform you. Yes. That the Cowboys are already running trick plays. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> we it have, is, it is we, 8.42 we p.m. Have, we have a double reverse in the first quarter of the Cowboys-Eagles game. <laughs> with, with, the, with the Cowboys' only quarterback downfield blocking. <laughs> Boy, this is... This is a swell idea. Oh boy! Yikes! <sighs> anyway, we're 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 just destined to to have a a blight of terrible sports until next year's baseball season starts. Something like that. But speaking of baseball, yeah, let's talk some baseball. Okay, we had the conclusion of the World Series this past week. We did. The Dodgers take the World Series championship. Finally, in six games from the Rays. About time. Um, so, you know, I, I as much as I hate it that the Braves weren't there and the Braves didn't have a chance to win it, uh, I, I do believe that the Dodgers were the best team in baseball and uh, the best team won. So hats off to the Dodgers. Congratulations to Dodgers fans. I hope that's the last thing you ever win. Um <laughs> <laughs> so enjoy the hell out of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially congratulations to friend of the show, uh, Jesse from the Let Me Just Say podcast. Uh, you heard him on here a couple episodes back previewing the Dodgers Braves series. And, uh, and and I know he's having a hell of a time right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, you know, as, as any fan should, if your team wins the World Series, by God, celebrate it. Enjoy exactly. it. I can't want one day, Cam. One day it's going to be us and we're going to be able to record the most glorious podcast episode of all time. I'm going to be so drunk. Oh my God. It's going to be fantastic. And it's going to happen. That is optimism you hear. So, so let's look back at the clinching game real quick, Cam. Um, 
Um, are are you a big analytics guy? I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, analytics clearly have their place in the game. Uh, baseball is getting more and more modern as uh, as we learn more, and uh, with each passing year, there's more data to collect that can help uh, help determine decisions in the game. So, yeah, sure, there there's there's a place for analytics. I mean, by God. Uh, Ted Williams was looking at analytics before people even knew what it was. Analytics and launch angle. So, uh, so yeah, sure. A- analytics. Good. Yeah. Good. So, so, so let's, let me, let me tell you what analytics told us uh, in game six between the Rays and Dodgers. Oh yeah. This was stupid. Blake Snell started the game for the Rays, uh, former Cy Young winner, best pitcher on their staff. And the man is out there throwing the game of his life. And, and that that is not hyperbole when I say that. Uh, through the sixth inning, Blake Snell had struck out Mookie Betts twice, Corey Seager twice, and Justin Turner twice. I I, I don't know what he, else you want from from a pitcher. Uh, he had Matt. struck out half of the batters he had seen. Right. Um. And so, uh, because analytics. Uh, said that he wasn't going to be successful the third time through the order. Kevin Cash goes out to the mound and pulls a visibly upset Blake Snell out of the game, only to have his bullpen come in and immediately give up two runs to the Dodgers. Well, to to be fair, Alex, you have to look at this decision and you you have to take a look at Blake Snell's pitch count and let's see... He was at 73 pitches. 73 so, pitches. Obviously, obviously, his arm was in danger of falling off at this point. Sweet mother of God. Okay, so <laughs> I, as anyone who's listened to this show for any any length of time knows that I am the world's biggest Brian Snicker apologist when, when he makes bad decisions. Uh, I will go to bat for him uh, in just about any situation. But... If the Braves were to get to the World Series and you have, say, Mike Soroka on the mound absolutely dealing through six innings and Snicker comes out there and pulls him, I I will be at Hartsfield-Jackson Airport waiting for that plane to land so I can cuss him out. Yeah, it um, it was certainly a decision. Now... I will say this. I I will say this. Was that the sole reason that they lost that game? Not necessarily, because there, there's no way to say one way or the other. With, no, with you know, it's hard. But. It's hard to win a game with only one run. Like your offense has to do more. But you certainly didn't didn't help yourself out there. I just I I, I don't know. I so the. I had a lot of back and forth discussions with people who, who, who really uh, advocate for the uh, the the unconditional use of analytics in baseball games, and I, I just I, I don't understand. Um, I, I forget who posted it, but but I saw one tweet that said something to the effect of, "We can have all the numbers in the world, but we have to understand that this is still a game played by humans." who have human emotions and and are able to do 
things that you wouldn't expect under the right circumstances. Yeah. So, so, so my, my opinion has always been and will continue to be that analytics are, are great. Um, using analytics in baseball has progressed the game beyond where I think past generations could have ever imagined. And, and that's, that's great. And it'll continue to do so. But I, I don't think you can use analytics unconditionally. I think you still have to understand the human element of the game and, and be able to use that to your advantage. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think after the game, uh, Tim Kirchin did an interview on, um, it was either baseball tonight or sports center or something on ESPN. And he made the comment and I agree that, one thing that is slowly starting to get lost is just a feel for the game. And it showed here in this situation for sure. Yeah. It, it it's it's as though and I don't believe this was actually the case, but but it seemed as though Kevin Cash just had his face buried in a book of numbers and wasn't watching the game that the rest of us were watching. Yeah. Because I, I just don't understand how anyone could watch that game and say you you have to pull Blake Snell there. Well, and gosh, it was it was one of those situations that as soon as you saw Kevin Cash come out out of the uh, out of the dugout, you thought, oh no, like this is really about to happen. You just you knew how it was going to end up playing out at that point. I. I... I would be interested to know if Blake Snell wishes he had handled that situation differently. If he goes back and replays that in his mind, wondering if he could have done the Mike Mussina and and yelled at Kevin Cash to sit down in the dugout. Uh, yeah, I certainly would have been tempted to. Uh, I, I mean, if I were Blake Snell in that situation, you would have had to drag me off the field kicking and screaming. And 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 I'm not saying that he he was happy about leaving. He he wasn't. He was he was all kinds of pissed off to be pulled out of that game. And I can't blame the guy. But um, I mean, for for good reason. Over the last week, we have seen that Mike Mussina clip a lot online. Yeah. And uh, for those of you who might not have seen it, uh, Mike Mussina was pitching in the ninth inning of a game and Joe Torrey starts climbing the dugout steps to come pull him and he sees it and he points at Joe Torrey and he says, no, you sit down. And Joe Torrey, Joe <laughs> Torrey just, you to sit down. just Joe Torrey just throws his hands up and goes, OK, 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 you got it. <laughs> and and all the credit in the world to Joe Torrey for that. Like, if you have that guy with that mentality on the mound, you leave him in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think a pitcher knows how he feels better than, you know, anybody else would. So. So that 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 ended the season. Um, but it didn't end the <laughs> It didn't end the the talking points for Major League Baseball because we found out in, I believe it was the seventh inning of that game, that Justin Turner had been pulled because his COVID test that he took before game time came back as positive. And so he had apparently been playing this entire game uh, with COVID and uh, potentially uh, handing that to everybody. And... 
when the when the Dodgers won, sure enough, there's Justin Turner running out onto the field with everybody else because and I I can't even I I understand anyone who's upset at that situation, but at the same time, I can't blame Justin Turner for a second. No! You you would have you would have needed an army uh, of 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 very well armed guards to keep me off of that field. Yeah, I I mean I see both sides of it, but also like you said, at that point he had already played the majority of the game. He's been around his teammates the entire day. Right. Yeah. I don't know. And he just he just accomplished something that every single person who's ever picked up a baseball dreams of. Exactly. So, yeah, I don't know. The, the best part of that was that it put uh, everyone's favorite Major League Baseball commissioner, Rob Manfred, in a really awkward situation immediately following the game. Uh, yeah. Because uh, he had. So, uh, uh, are, are, are you going to punish Justin Turner worse than you punished the Astros there, Uncle Rob? <laughs> oh, man. Because this is the precedent that you've set. Just let, let's be clear here. Right. Uh, my favorite part of Rob Manfred's uh, post-game interview after the World Series had concluded was before he got the first word out of his mouth, every single fan in the stands at Globe Life Park in Arlington, Texas, was booing a type <laughs> of a type of boo that I don't think I've ever really heard before. It was the place was at 25 percent capacity and it sounded like the entire population of Texas was booing this man. I mean, just hatred. It was just the most beautiful thing. And then all of a sudden, like it clearly starts getting to Manfred. Like he he starts he starts stammering and stuttering over his words because he, he can't collect his thoughts with all this going on. I just thought he was drunk. Uh, I mean, it's it's possible, but he was what if you go back and watch the interview at the very beginning, he's talking quite clearly in well thought out sentences. And then a couple of minutes in, all of a sudden he can't put together a sentence. (laughs) And it uh, it was just beautiful because it was like. This was the first time Manfred had been in front of fans since the uh, since the Astros situation. Yeah. So, so he never really got an opportunity to to get his his comeuppance from the fans. And and yet here it was. Well, here you maybe, go. <laughs> maybe he had convinced himself that they were over it and it wasn't a big deal and fans didn't really hate him. They just kind of disliked him because he was in a position of power. Uh, no, everybody. Yeah, hates that, you, that, Rob that, that, that's not how that works, Rob. The and entire country hates you. And once again, the moment that anybody gets suspended for anything, no matter how you know ticky-tacky it is, it'll be brought up that this is a harsher punishment than whatever the Astros got. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you will never, ever be able to escape it. Nope. Nope. There is no escape. Saying all that to say that you can go to teespring.com slash stores slash chatting average podcast and pick up your Fire Manfred t-shirt today. Yeah. <laughs> that way, sure when the opening day 2021 rolls around, you can show up at the ballpark uh, in all your glory and get some Fire Manfred t-shirts on television. 
There are some other uh, other fine T-shirts there. Uh, one specifically about a certain uh, closer that hopefully is coming back to Atlanta next season. Dun-dum. Dun-dum. There it is. Dun-dum. Fantastic content. That was the most half-assed Jaws theme song I've ever done. I'm sorry. Oh my um, God, that's what we do here. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, moving on from the baseball season, we uh, here on November 1st at 8.57 p.m. are officially in the free agency period hot stove oh boy it's it's gonna be really interesting this year and by interesting i i i mean horribly frustrating uh the braves have have a number of free agents um including but not limited to marcelo zuna mark melanson shane green who am i missing here uh tyler flowers Nick Markakis. Uh, it, it's yeah. it's, it's a, a big portion of the team that that is in free agency now. Uh, Darren O'Day, uh, his option was declined, uh, so he's going to be a free agent. Um, I, I'm I think, I'm I think he might be back though. I, I hope so. Um, I think I, it's I've, more of a renegotiation thing than anything else. Right. I I, I mean I've made no secret of. Of, of of my hopes for the Braves offseason. Uh, I think uh, priority number one needs to be preserving your bullpen. Uh, the it, In my eyes, the whole reason that the Braves were able to make it to a game seven uh, of an NLCS was because of their bullpen. And <laughs> while a lot of people will say Ozuna has to be priority number one, I, I think there's a number of bats out there you could get to reasonably replace him. Like you're not, you're not going to get the production you got out of him this year. Honestly, I think even if you bring him back, you're not going to get the production you got out of him this year, but there are bats out there. Um, There aren't a ton of bullpen pieces. So I think, I I think it, it starts with Mark Melanson. You, you have to bring him back in my mind. Um, He's, he, he was, he was a very lowly regarded pitcher when when we first brought him in from san francisco year before last but he he has done nothing but prove that he is a top flight closer in major league baseball well and you know all this uncertainty could be worse we uh we could be fans of the cleveland indians could be fans of the phillies yeah yeah (laughs) so so the the, there's some Great stuff going on in those organizations. Oh my god! Um, so the let's let's go over all. There are almost too many for us to remember at this point, but let's go over the big hitters that we uh, we got this past week. So, um, if I'm not mistaken, the Indians straight up released Brad Hand, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Sub two ERA, Brad Hand. Correct. Uh, a, a also a top flight closer. Uh, so Brad Hand is a free agent. Um, the Phillies got rid of like half their bullpen, which I mean I can't blame them for wanting to revamp their bullpen. It was garbage, and it was pretty much the whole reason that they couldn't win games this past season. 
But I mean, yeah, and then especially a name like David Robertson, like you couldn't keep him around and work on him for a little while. Like, yep. who are you going to get instead? <clears throat> and please don't say Mark Melanson and Jane Green, please. Because if that happens, I'm I'm going to be really, really sad. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become a villain. Right. Oh, God. Die heroes. <laughs> um, let's see. So uh, we got some other uh, other players who were not even extended qualifying offers. Uh, the the list begins with with Mark uh, Marcus Semyon from the Athletics, not extended a qualifying offer, uh, as well as Liam Hendricks, uh, a fantastic relief pitcher for the Athletics. So neither yeah. of them extended a qualifying offer. Um, Marcus Stroman was extended an $18.9 million qualifying offer, as was Trevor Bauer and DJ, DJ LeMayhew of the Yankees. Um, I, I don't expect any of those three names to accept that offer, uh, but you never know. I mean, it, it's going to be a weird offseason. Teams are going to have a lot less money to spend than they normally do. You know, $18.9 million might be attractive while you try to you know, make yourself a, a more attractive piece in the 2021 off season when teams presumably will have money to spend. Oh gosh. Especially DJ LeMahieu. Like, Oh man. Don't, don't, don't touch that. Could you imagine? Like, seriously, do not. Could you imagine if he hit the open market? My goodness. Oh boy. That is buddy would get paid. I wonder, I wonder what he thinks about the city of Atlanta. <laughs> And it's it's the best time of the year for baseball fans because every time a player goes to to free agency, every fan of every team thinks that their team is bringing that player in. So you're saying there's a chance. There's there's a chance. Yeah, like that. That's the attitude of everybody, and it, 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 it's great though. It's fun. Speculation is fun. Right. Right. But realistically, what what names have you heard, Cam, that, that you think could be actual options for the Braves? Um, you know, and I, I really wouldn't be against it. Corey Kluber could be interesting. Um, yeah, like obviously, cool. obviously, you know, obviously he's not what he once was, but I think, you know kind of a middle of the rotation sort of guy that that's a huge piece to anchor right there. in like the number three spot in a rotation, looking at the pitching mound again, there's, there's, there's another name that's actually been rumored to be a target of the Braves. Oh and yeah. That is Mr. Adam Wainwright. The old man from St. Louis who once upon a time was drafted by the Atlanta Braves and traded for J.D. Drew. We should have never traded him. He was in single A. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but we have a chance to bring him back to Atlanta. Um, the the disheartening part of that article that I read uh, is that some people seem to think that the Braves uh, want to take a run at Yadier Molina. I don't I hate, I, I hate it. No, no, Cam. I I can't 
I can't overstate how much I dislike this guy. I I just I can't. He's he's like <sighs> So you remember like 10 12 years ago when the Braves were kind of like the police of the league um and and you know Brian McCann was stopping Carlos Gomez from touching home plate and it was great and we all loved it. But then the Braves went and got young and brought in all these exciting players that were out there flipping bats, and now we all love that instead. Yeah. Bringing in a guy like Yadier Molina feels like a move that maybe like the 2010 Braves should have made. What are you talking about? Yadier loves flipping bats. We saw it last year. Oh, he loves doing it himself. He just can't stand for anyone else to do it. Yeah. I... I don't know. I, I have a real hard time buying into that one. Just be, like, I I don't think that we re-signed Tyler Flowers. I, I think his tenure with the Braves is over. Um, But as we saw this year, you know, Darno took the majority of the games behind the plate, uh, which I would very well expect him to do next year also. But then I think filling in that, that number two catcher spot has to to be Contreras, right? Like, I, I'd say so. Is he ready? I think he's ready. I feel like he's ready. I don't know. I mean, he got looks at the major league level this year, and, and he, he looked good when he got those looks. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm, I mean... Especially especially with the year that, uh, that we got from Travis Darnode, uh, I, I don't think there's any reason to look outside of the organization... For the catcher position. No. no. Nor do I. So. I don't know. So, and then part of me. You know. Part of me kind of hopes that after next year. Maybe. Maybe you re-sign Darno to a three-year extension. You know. Yeah. If he can. He, if he can even come close to. To replicating the production that he had this year. Then by all means. We should look at. At keeping him long term. Yeah. I, I, I think so. And. You know. Because even if even if Contreras does come up, I don't think that he's going to be, you know, exactly ready to be your everyday catcher. So give him time to work in behind the plate, but still regularly see, you know, see some playing time. Right. So we've we've, we've talked about the catcher position. We yeah. we don't think we need any moves to be made there. Uh, first base obviously don't need any moves to be made there. Second base, no moves. Shortstop. Cam, thoughts with a Marcus Simeon on the market? I just I don't know if, if that can be pulled off. I, I mean, I, I don't think I, we could afford him, and I, I don't think he would necessarily be a replacement for Swanson if we could. Yeah. If if we did bring him in, either Swanson or Simeon would probably shift to third base. And then, uh, and then Riley would presumably go to left field uh, in the event that we don't bring back Adam Duvall. Yeah. So, uh, we still have. Um, so, okay. So, are we are we penciling in Christ, Christian Pache as the opening day center fielder for 2021? Please, please. I, I think mean... it. I think it has to happen. I, I think he, he so. Was, he was, imp- 
to say the least, he was impressive in the postseason. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I think I think his showing was strong enough that I, I think he he earned a starting job in center field on opening day. And as everybody uh, seems to think, we're going to package Ender and a big trade deal and really, really <laughs> get that top level guy we've been wanting. Guys, nobody is going to take Ender in Ciarte off of our hands. If anybody was going to have taken Ender Enciarte, it would have happened three years ago. Exactly. When teams had money. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we've and got, Ender was good. We've got right field and center field covered. Yeah. Who's your starting left fielder for the 2021 Braves? Good God. Um, I guess... Uh, I guess Duvall? Is he... Know. Uh, well, I, I don't know. Isn't he a free know. agent, or do we still have him under contract? I think we still got him under contract. I think he's under contract for at least another season or two. Oh, that's that's beautiful. Yeah, like I, I think we're covered there. But then it it still opens up an interesting. Oh no, he is signed through twenty twenty. Oh yeah, so we haven't we have a hole in left field. Hell, let's. Let's re-sign Ozuna and sign Yasiel Puig to a one-year prove-it deal. Let's go get him. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I really do not know. That's I think that's the biggest question. Um, I think you either have to find a left uh, an everyday left fielder or an everyday third baseman and then shift Riley to left field. Yeah. Uh, those those to me pretty much seem like your options. And and then you've got to fill out your bench because we we don't have a lot of guys on the bench right now. Uh, Charlie Culberson's well, that, well, that's free because we let Charlie Culberson walk away. Culberson's a free agent. Hecaveria is a, a free agent. Uh, we've got Camargo, but not really too much else. I I've, I I will continue to advocate for a Puig deal. Uh, I think that's. That that would be a, a great move for the Braves uh, if they could find a good way to use them. Um, but saying all of this to say, it's the bullpen, guys. That's that's what we need to work on. Like you, you they, so in the places that I've managed, whether they've been retail stores or uh, restaurants or theaters, whatever they've been, um, I have preached my entire working career that there is no such thing as being overstaffed. Bringing yeah. <laughs> people in is, is a constant battle that you, you can never stop. And as soon as you do stop, that's when all of a sudden you have problems. And I think that translates very well to the bullpen for the Atlanta Braves. Yes, we brought in people at the trade deadline in 2019, and it helped a lot. And then we brought in Will Smith, and after a couple of rocky weeks at the beginning, it helped a lot. We can't be done with the bullpen. We, we have to continue to add pieces. There, there have to be two or three impact pieces that we either acquire or hang on to that, that stay in that pen and, uh, and, and anchor the back end of games. Because we're still in a period where we're going to have a lot of young pitchers coming up trying to get major league experience. And when that's the case, you have to have a plan B. 
And that bullpen was always plan B for us that this year. And, and plan B was a good one. Uh, yeah, there were, there were several games this year that without a good bullpen, we could have very well been out of the game by the fourth inning because the starter, the starter didn't pan out that night. Need I remind people that in the national league wildcard series against the reds, we played two games and the bullpen pitched nine innings. Nine. Nine, nine innings. innings. Nine innings. The bullpen was the reason we won that first series. The bullpen was the reason we got the no playoff series wins monkey off of our back. We need that bullpen back. Well, I for one trust Alex Anthopoulos to do his job. I absolutely do, too. Until he gives me a reason not to, and, and until the product on the field starts falling behind and, and we stop improving as a team, uh, I, I trust that he's going to do it. Yeah, but we should have traded Pache, Waters, Luke Jackson, Ender, and Ciarte, and Austin Riley for Clevenger. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see what Clevenger does this coming year. Dude, I'm in a mood tonight. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, Cam's coming for you, Twitter trolls. I am. I am. <laughs> We're being goobers. Lord. Be happy. Yes. So, baseball Smile, season is over. Free agency has begun. The winter meetings are canceled, so we will not get any excitement around those. Um, And it's going to be an interesting offseason. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is indeed. When when do you think, do we see the first big splash before Christmas? Uh, I, I think so. Um, you, you think we see something quick? You think we see something in the next two weeks? Well, I, I also think we need to manage our ideas of what a, a quote, big splash is for the 2020 offseason. Well, I, I mean, I was not going to see any I, I, I cold deals. Right, right. right. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that a big splash is some kind of giant contract. I would, you know, I would just say the big splash, obviously we've got this, you know, pretty extensive list of free agents, you know, one of those top guys, you know, I guess what you consider the top five free agents, one of those getting signed would be a big splash, you know, whether it's a, it's a George Springer or a DJ LeMahieu or Marcelo Zuna, you know, assuming that Springer LeMahieu, turn down qualifying offers, which they absolutely should. I, I mean, should they, though? Are you going to get are you going to get eighteen point nine million dollars a year out of teams in the 2020 offseason? Well, I, I, I don't know the answer to that question. It's possible that a couple of teams have that kind of money to spend, but I, I don't think the Braves are going to be one of them. I, I don't think the majority of teams are are going to be able to afford to sign players to, to big money, multi-year contracts. I, well, I'll say this about Atlanta. I'm not convinced that we are going to have any kind of big signing. Like, I think it's going to be a lot of little pieces patched up here and there, but you know, Again, as we've seen, some of those little pieces tend to work out. Exactly. Like, that's like, that's what's important to focus on this offseason. Like, like, we're, it, we're not it, getting the Trevor Bowers of the world. No, but it cannot be understated how huge of a signing Travis Darnold was. Or, oh, absolutely. How, or how big of a trade uh, 
Adam Duvall has ended up being. Exactly. Like, it cannot be understated how these smaller deals have worked out. Well, we did trade uh, a man who this season, uh, 2021, will be making $18.9 million. And that's Kevin Gossman. Kevin Gossman was extended a qualifying offer by the San Francisco Giants today. A qualifying offer that's going to be worth one year, $18.9 million. And he promptly broke his pitching hand signing the contract. <laughs> Braves fans, I don't know if you remember Kevin Gossman. It's been a long time. Oh, um, how? please, you, it's, it's you do not long, have to remind me about the gas man. Very, it's been a very long time. We've we've probably forgotten what a a dominant generational pitcher. Uh, Leave the Kevin memories Gossman. alone. <laughs> oh, hello, dog. Yep, Hudson has made his first appearance on Chatting Average podcast. He's a puppy. <laughs> See, he's upset about us not getting Kevin Gosman either. Hudson really wanted Gossman to to be a brave again. Unfortunately, Jeez. we had to we had to break the little puppy's heart. I'm sick of this. <coughs> Anthopolis, get it together. Kevin Gossman actually was kind of one of those guys that I legit thought we would have a chance at resigning. Right, like, I, I, no, I actually thought so too. But like three, four million dollars. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, that eighteen million. <laughs> Kevin Gossman shouldn't have made $18 million for the remainder of his career, let alone in 2021. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what, uh, what does Julio Teron's contract look like? Um, that's a good question. I don't think he's making that kind of money. Yeah. Um, Although he, he was not great <laughs> this past season for the Angels. I think he ended up in the bullpen by the end of the year. Uh, I believe so. Yeah, he signed a. Um, let's see. Hold on. He's a free agent, my God. Julio Tehran is a free agent, guys. Woo! Panamanian Prince is coming home. Bring him home. <laughs> Bring him home, uh, AA. Facebook I'm boycotting if we don't. Facebook will explode. <laughs> Oh man, I would love to see the the reaction if that actually happened. Good lord. <laughs> well, Cam, that basically wraps up the entirety of our baseball talk for the year. Um, what about what, what how about we talk some baseball from years past? Let's do it. All right, we're going to jump into this week in baseball history. As always, you can find these facts at nationalpastime.com. And the week we're going to be looking at is November 2nd through the 8th. Our first fact comes to us on November 2nd, 1995. The expansion Devil Rays unfill their official game uniforms during a special fashion show staged at the Florida Aquarium. The black, green, and blue jersey, which the team will start wearing in 1998, features a manta ray as its logo. They got that sweet, sweet gradient across Devil Rays. Oh, yeah. That was such a cool jersey. Like, it just, it screams 90s, and it's great. Oh, yeah. I miss and, I miss all of the old Florida jerseys. Like the the original Florida Marlins jerseys were so good. 
They oh, were so fantastic. Good. I although I will say I think they're going in a cool direction. It needs a little bit of tweaking, but if they can nail down that Miami Vice look for their current uniforms, that's going to look awesome. See, I'm I'm okay with their current look. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I have no issues with their current look. It was the one in between the original and this. That oh, really the, or- the orange and the blue and green. Oh, it was so bad. Yeah, that, that was that weird. The spawned the ugliest statue in the history of baseball. See, what what got me about that era of the Miami uniforms was that you started going with this orange and green aesthetic, but like I feel like you could have leaned into the University of Miami like look a little bit more. You know what I mean? Just like just go full Marlins man and go all orange everything. Well, maybe like you could have gone that route, but then like the M. I always had this idea of like what if you took what if the M was more curved so that way it just looked like two upside down University of Miami U's. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm meaning kind of like that. Uh I don't know. That one that one's touchy. Because, I mean, you, you, you want to draw fans from all parts of the state, so you want to yeah. make sure that you have, like, Florida fans and UCF fans and Florida State fans all, all um, you know, seeing your brand and not seeing it as a reference to a rival school. Yeah, yeah, I guess I could say that. I will say this, though, about the, uh, the Rays' current logo and, and uniforms. I do like their light blue unis. Oh, me too. Like I'm, I'm a big proponent of light blue uniforms in general. Um, oh yeah, I, I think I think every team should have. A, yeah, I, I think every team should have a powder blue alternate. Like that's just it just screams '70s and '80s baseball, and I oh, love it. It's just awesome, and especially the Braves one from like the early '80s with the curse of Atlanta across the front of it. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, how how have we never brought that back for a weekend? I don't know. I don't know. Like, the old Dale Murphy jerseys, like people. I was gonna say everybody refers to it as the Murph era, but like, how is how is it that they haven't done that again? I I I, I don't understand. I mean, I I love that they brought back the old like red, white, and blue feather unis. Oh yeah. But I I, I just give me the give me the blue ones. Yeah. Maybe one day. I don't know. Maybe is it because it's a pullover? Like, is that the? Oh yeah. Is that the hang up? Like production for? But I mean, they sell them every day on MLB shops, so somebody's making them. Exactly, they're out there. Or is it just players don't want to play in them? I I think that might be it. But wasn't it a pullover that Chris Sale cut up when he was still with the White Sox? <laughs> Remember that? Like, that's just, that's one of those stories that, like, I'll randomly tell my grandkids one that day. That was an all-time baseball meltdown. Like, that's just, it's just such a baseball story. Like, 50 years from now, I'm going to, if I'm still alive, God willing, I'm going to tell that story and be like, yeah, I remember Chris Sale cut up his jersey one time for the White Sox because he didn't want to play in it. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. Good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> All right. Our next fact comes to us on November 4th. 2001 for the first time since 1985 two 20 game winners start game seven of the world series when yankee right-hander roger clemens faces kurt schilling of the diamondbacks at bank one ballpark in arizona 
In Game 7 of a classic World Series, Arizona rallies for two runs in the bottom of the ninth, defeating the Yankees and their usually unbeatable closer, Mariano Rivera, 3-2. to two. The four-year-old Diamondbacks, the youngest franchise to ever win a fall classic, in New York's string of three consecutive world championships. Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling are named co-MVPs of the World Series. The Diamondback hurlers are the first multiple winners since a trio of Dodgers, Ron Say, Pedro Guerrero, and Steve Yeager, shared the award in 1981. I th- That was probably my favorite non-Braves World Series ever. It's fun. Like it's it is. it's just it, it's it's a ridiculously fun series, especially game 7. Game 7 is just bananas. Oh yeah, as game 7s should be. Yeah. Yeah, and I yeah, and and I remember I don't know. I remember that World Series being let's see, I was in second grade at the time. So, and you know, this is Right after 9-11, or just, you know, a, a couple of months after, essentially. But I remember this World Series just being a big deal. Like, it was just one of those things that I think I think America needed at the time. But also, it was just a neat story all around that here you've got this young team in the Arizona Diamondbacks winning a World Series. Coming off four years earlier, the Miami Marlins, who were, what? in their fifth year as a franchise at that point, winning their first World Series. So it was like this lineage of these brand new teams winning a World Series, and there was a story there. And then, you know, you had Luis Gonzalez, who played out of his damn mind that entire season. Mm -hmm. Um, You had Randy Johnson, who was about to win his second of three or four consecutive Cy Young Awards. I can't remember. And then you had Kurt Schilling, who was cementing himself as one of the best pitchers in baseball, going up against the big, bad Yankees, who had just won, uh, what, three World Series in a row? Yep. So, I don't know. It was just a great story. And I just remember as a kid, like, this was a big deal. And it was kind of my first time realizing that, like, oh, the Diamondbacks are a serious team, you know? So, yeah, I mean, fun series. When, when you're that young, it's especially in the the late 90s early 2000s it's very easy for a kid to just just you know come to the conclusion that the yankees are this big unbeatable team yeah i i remember that that i had come to that same conclusion with the with the chicago bulls because i was a i was a big bulls fan when i was growing up um it, it was it was a lot like that for a period of time but then I don't know. It was like it was like watching the the David and Goliath story unfold before my eyes. It was it was really really cool. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, in my lifetime, it was the first time really seeing the Yankees fall. Like it, you know, it was the first time seeing like to your point, the Yankees being this big bad unstoppable monster being taken out by. I snick. So, what a what a prophetic way to end that statement, God Almighty! Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> don't step on snick. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Our next fact comes to us on November sixth, two thousand and seven. Greg Maddox breaking a tie with former Orioles third baseman Brooks Robinson and veteran hurler Jim Cat for the most Gold Gloves in a career. 
wins his 17th, an honor bestowed by managers and coaches in each league for fielding excellence at the player's given position. The 41-year-old future Hall of Famer, now with the Padres, has been selected every year as the top fielding pitcher in the National League since 1990, except for 2003, when Mike Hampton of the Braves won the honor. Mike Hampton. Mike Hampton. Oh, man. <laughs> There's a name you haven't heard That's in a, a while. That's a name that doesn't come up enough. <laughs> no, no. Mike I Hampton. Th- I think when we got Mike Hampton, we all thought we were getting what we wound up getting when we brought in Tim Hudson. Yeah. Yeah. And, I see that. And it all ultimately it it looked that way for a little while. Um, yeah. A very little while. <laughs> I, I, for, I forgot he had two stints with Atlanta. It, yeah. Well, no, no, actually, no, no. He had Tommy John. We we lost him for essentially two years because of Tommy John. Yeah. So two stints. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Why not? That's fair. Hey, remember Derek Lowe? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Where where do you want to go with this one? I had nothing for that. I just like throwing out the hey, remember. Hey, remember Kenshin Kawakami? Oh, gosh. <laughs> you just wanted to be able to say his name. I did, yeah. It took it took me like a decade to learn how to pronounce it, but I think I got it now. Kawakami. <laughs> oh, you remember the first time that you saw Daisuke Matsuzaka's name? Oh, yeah. And you're like, wait, what? I, I don't... I, I might be wrong, but I think I was actually living in Chicago when Daisuke came through. Oh, really? Yeah. It's funny. Dice K, Masuzaka. Whatever happened to him? That's a good question. I'm so proud I just spelled his name right on the first try. Daisuke. Daisuke. He is... Huh! We just talked about this team last week. He is a baseball pitcher for the Cebu Lions. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who is, not, who is not the cursed team because they threw Colonel Sanders into a river. They're not? No, I thought they were the team that was defeated in that championship game. Are you okay. sure? Curse of the Colonel. Hang on. <sighs> that, that is the Hunchin Tigers. That is cursed. Ah, okay. Yeah. Curse hey, of the Colonel. Happened, whatever happened to Munenori Kawasaki? I don't know, but fun fact, Curse of the Colonel has its own Wikipedia page. It does. <laughs> Uh, comparisons are often made between the Hanshin Tigers and the Boston Red Sox, who were said to be under the curse of the Bambino until they won the World Series in 2004. The curse of the Colonel has also been used as a boogeyman threat to those who would divulge the secret recipe of 11 herbs and spices that result (laughs) in the unique taste of his chicken. There is no way that that is supposed to be part of this article. (laughs) Somebody just added that. Also, the secret recipe of 11 herbs and spices is hyperlinked to a Wikipedia page for the KFC original recipe. Hold on. Hold on. I figured out the whereabouts of Munenori Kawasaki. Okay. He plays for the Braves. What? The Tochigi Golden Braves. Okay. Of the Baseball Challenge League in Japan. Hmm. 
Interesting. He is still an active professional playing baseball. Anthopolis, you know what to do. Bring, bring him in and have just just bring him in to do press press conferences. That's it. Oh my god. Monkey never cramps. I am Japanese. Good stuff. Oh, he's fantastic. All right. Our last fact comes to us on November 8th, 1983. Dale Murphy joins Ernie Banks, Joe Morgan, and Mike Schmidt as one of the four National Leaguers who have won the MVP award in consecutive seasons. The soft-spoken Braves outfielder receives 21 of the 24 votes cast by the writers. That's amazing. Hey, what year was he elected into the Hall of Fame? Hmm, that's... uh, It seems like it hasn't happened. Put Dale Murphy in the Hall of Fame. Sorry. I mean, the other three guys who have pulled off that feeder in the Hall of Fame. Why not him? Yeah, why not Dale? That's... (laughs) Harold Baines is in the Hall of Fame. Oh, God. God! (laughs) I'm so glad they put him in there so everyone can have someone to point to when they think that somebody belongs in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yep. Back-to-back MVPs. It's not in the Hall of Fame. It's remarkable that he and Andrew Jones are not in the Hall of Fame. By remarkable, I mean nothing short of a travesty. Indeed. Also, Fred McGriff, whose birthday was yesterday. Hey, happy birthday, crime dog. Yeah, I think he's 57 now and is probably still in phenomenal shape. Probably, yeah. He... Like, in much better shape than I. <laughs> he, he could still still get out there and, and knock him around like Julio Franco. And you know what team Fred McGriff also played for? The Tampa Bay Devil Rays, whose yeah. uniforms we talked about in our first fact here tonight. Yes, it all comes around. That's right. Hey, did you do anything? Uh, do anything special for Halloween? Speaking of Fred McGriff's birthday. Um, n- no, no, nothing, nothing at all, actually. <laughs> okay, well that ends that segment. This has been this week. <laughs> what did What did you do for Halloween, Cam? I uh, just hung out with family, that sort of thing. Had a little, had a little campfire, ate some food, did a did a hayride. What did the little girl get dressed up as? She was Belle from Beauty and the Beast. Oh, okay. I didn't know if those pictures were this year or yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. older ones. Okay. Yep. Yep. So, so wait, it was it was was it this year that you were Macho Man and and Elizabeth? No, no, that was gosh, that was like that was seven years ago. That was twenty thirteen. Oh we wow. Did that. Okay. Yeah, we we just happened across that picture, and I I thought it'd be fun to share that. Oh yeah, that that was good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah good. Good deal. Yeah, time is uh time is flying a little too fast and needs to slow down. Right. I'm well, a, well that that's 27. that's a good that's a good segue into this, um guys. Obviously, we 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 try to thank you as much as possible, and yet somehow it's not enough. We we can't we we can't overstate how much we appreciate the fact that you guys not only listen to us but interact with us on Twitter. Uh, some of you purchase t-shirts, some of you are, are even patrons of the show donating to us 
to just do whatever it is that we do. Um, so, uh, saying that, uh, we are announcing that next week will be the end of season one of the Chatting Average podcast. We will be taking a little bit of time off for the holidays. Per Cam's demands, we will still be releasing a holiday episode around Christmas time. Yeah! Uh, I'm, it, I'm, it, was in, it was in my contract to return for season two, so I was, either you, I, I, either I will you be playing get the, the Christmas role, episode or you don't get me back. I will be playing the role of Ebenezer Scrooge. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you are old enough. Shut up! Um, hey, when's your birthday? You got a birthday coming up. My birthday is November 17th. How about there yours? Uh, my birthday is November second. It's the second. I thought I, I thought you'd said seventh the last time. No. Or maybe Guys, I did. Maybe I'm just changing. Cam, maybe I'm just Cam, changing it up on you. Cam, shut up! I need to talk to the people. Uh, God. If you're listening to this right now, it is currently Cam Matthews' birthday. You can find him on Twitter at chopnc93. Please tweet at him with your most ridiculous birthday wishes. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> Fun. But yes, please, by all means, tune in to our season finale next week. Yeah. And if you would be so kind, give us a call at 678-242-9408. Leave us a message with your thoughts on the show in general with your thoughts on the 2020 season for the Atlanta Braves, with your thoughts on what you'd like to see next season from both the Braves and from us. And yeah. we will be happy to listen to each and every one of them and give you any kind of response that we see fit. Um, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe, depending on the content. But, uh, yeah. uh, again, really appreciate you guys going along for this ride with us. It's been a fantastic season. We saw success that for a generation of Braves fans has been unprecedented. And it's been an absolute blast to go on this ride with all of you guys. And and we're coming back next year to do it all over again. Shortly after the first of the year, we will start back up with our weekly schedule and uh, and and gear up for hopefully what what is a, a pretty normal baseball season of 162 games. But, you know, time will tell. And yeah. We'll, we'll be there to, to get through whatever happens with all of you guys. So, if you are a patron for this here fine podcast, you will not have to wait until December for our Christmas extravaganza after next week, because we will be releasing a Patreon episode in November and in December. So, in between episodes, you'll get two exclusive patron-only episodes of the Chatting Average podcast. Uh, we know what the December one will be, and it's going to be a ton of fun. Here's your hint. Nobody likes Booster. Um, not sure what November's going to be yet, though. We'll figure that out. It's going to be a ton of fun. And if you would like to hear those podcast episodes, please feel free to support us at uh, patreon.com slash chattingaveragepodcast. Well, that does it for the penultimate Chatting Average Podcast episode for the year 2020. For Cam Matthews, I'm Alex. We'll see y'all next week for our very last brand new episode this season. Bye! 
With that, we've reached the end of the show. If you want to connect with the show, you can contact us via text or voicemail at 678-242-9408 or on Twitter at Average Chatting. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash chatting average. We'll see you all next week on another brand new episode of the Chatting Average Podcast.